Once were before me The old and the new I could have either So what must I do? One coat was ugly Terribly torn The other a new coat Had never been worn The old coat was dirty Not fit to wear I thought of it often Shed many a tear Then there was a new coat Presented to you I let off the old coat And put on the new I tell you the best thing I ever did do I laid off the old coat And put on the new The first man was Adam Made from the ground We all bore his the whole world around The next man was Jesus My Savior so fair He gave me this new coat You now see me wear Now this coat, it fits me It keeps me so warm It's good in the winter, it's good in the storm My Savior has dressed me in garments so rare He gave me His glory, His image I bear Well, I tell you the best thing I ever did do I laid off the old coat and put on the new Well, I tell you the best thing I ever did do Laid off the old coat and put on the new I laid off the old coat and put on the new
times we pray for things in our life and it seems God's a million miles away. We pray for so long for God to come through and have his will and way. But when God says wait to expecting that today was you amen 
Them girls can sing. Amen. Huh? Amen. Praise the Lord. Appreciate the good songs of Zion today. Yeah. And, uh, happy birthday, Mike. You wasn't expecting that either, was you? You're proud of them girls, aren't you? Amen. They've done a great job. Amen. Hosea chapter 9 in the Word of God this morning, if you would. Over in the Old Testament, if you would turn there, if you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, they'll be able to place it upon the screen here momentarily. But Hosea chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 17. And I would ask you to stand for the reverence and the reading of God's Word and pray for the message today. I believe that God has ordained this Word to be in this place this morning. Um, I mentioned yesterday, I believe the Lord has spoken a special way about some things that will be a help to you that are here. And I hope and pray that you're obedient unto the Lord. When He speaks to your heart, we need to be obedient as He speaks. Amen? So let's look at the Word of God this morning, Hosea chapter 9 and verse number 17. The Bible says, My God will cast them away. Because they did not hearken unto him. And they shall be wanderers among the nation. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself according to the multitude of his fruit. He hath increased the altars according to the goodness of his land. They have made goodly Images. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. For now they shall say, We have no king, because we feared on the Lord. What then should a king do to us? Play, pay particular attention to verse number four. They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant. Thus judgment springeth up as hemlock in the furrows of the field. I'm going to preach about that hemlock and what it is and what it should mean to us today. Let us pray. Father in heaven, God, in Jesus' name, we do count it an honor and a privilege to be in your house today. Lord, we thank you for the good songs of Zion, the good praise reports that we heard during the Sunday school hour. And God, we're praying today that you would take control of this service. Lord, I pray that you'll anoint every word that comes from these lips of clay. God, I pray that you would undergird me this morning, Lord, with your spirit and your power to where I may preach the word of God that you've applied to my heart today. Lord, make it be plain. Allow it to penetrate the hearts of your people. And God, if there's one person here that is within the sound of my voice or listening live this morning, God, I pray that today would be the day, if they're lost, that they would be convicted by the Holy Ghost. And Lord, come to a place of repentance before it's everlasting too late. God, I'll surely love you, praise you, and give you glory and honor for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. I've read the book of Hosea many times down through the years in the ministry. But I really never did stop to look at that word, hemlock. 
A hemlock is a poisonous plant that grows about two to six feet in height. It looks like parsley and has a hollow stem. Something that you think would a kid and back in the days might have used to whittle out a whistle or maybe make a little pea shooter of some sort. Um, but there in the latter part of verse number 4 in chapter 10, the Bible says, Judgment springeth up as hemlock in the furrows of the field. Now one would not expect to find poison in the furrows of the field. Now when I say furrows of the field, many of you seen in the gardens and the fields, uh, uh, they plant rows. And that's what they're speaking of when they speak of furrows in the field. One would expect something edible to be in those furrows, such as green vegetables of some sort. Uh, uh, but yet God says that for His people, that which is poisonous is intermingled with that, that which is good. Now may I say this this morning to get us on the right train of thought? Uh, uh, we should not be uh, intermingled uh, uh, with the things of this world. The Word of God says for you and I to come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord. Now listen I understand and I know that we have to go to where the lost sinner is and I know that we need to witness to them and I know we need to tell them about Jesus and we need to let them know about his saving grace. But my friend there are too many Christians today that attempt to straddle the fence. In other words they want to live on the side of God while keeping one leg in the midst of the world may I say you that's not going to work with God you're either going to love one or hate the other we need to be completely sold out for Jesus Christ this morning because he my friend completely gave his life and every drop of blood in his body for your soul today he has provided a way for you and I to get to that place called heaven picture this a child of a farmer playing in the field, thinking that he's found something to make a whistle with. He cuts that stalk down. He places it in his mouth. He begins to feel horribly sick to his stomach and then ultimately dies. Hemlock in the furrows of the field. Imagine a wife that would go out and appear to be picking parsley, growing amidst the corn and the weed, and she decides to garnish a salad with it, and then she eats what she had prepared during the meal, and then all of a sudden she's bending over in pain and agony and horror, crying in anguish, and ultimately meets her death from the poison that was in what she thought was parsley. Hemlock. In the furrows. May I, also, may I also mention today that everything that glitters is not gold. Someone may be uh, uh, trying to lead you in a direction that may seem godly today. Uh, but may I say uh, you better test and try the spirits to assure that the Lord Jesus Christ is in the middle of that thing. Amen. Because people will and the devil will uh, try to slip into your life uh, even if it's pictured as something godly on the outside. Uh, but it could be rotten on the inside. Uh, sin always wears a pretty coat. Uh, remember that. Uh, remember all the way back from the book of Genesis. Uh, sin always uh, wears a pretty coat. Uh, that fruit that was upon the tree that Adam and Eve partook of. Uh, my friend, it looked beautiful to, to look upon. 
upon. And it tasted good. But my friend, in the midst of that fruit was filth and sin. And it was a rotten piece of fruit. And my friend, they lost everything looking at something that looked to be good. When all out, when it came down to it, it was not good at all. It was very bad. But why were there hemlocks in the furrows? Why did God bring judgment upon Israel and bring the hemlock in the furrows? Or, or like hemlock in the furrows? Look at verse number 17. In chapter number 10. Israel is in 17. My God will cast them away because they did not hearken unto him. And they shall be wanderers among the nation. Listen, they didn't hearken unto him. Why was they... Why was the hemlock in the furrows? It was because they didn't listen to God. And most of God's people are not in trouble today because they don't know what to do when God speaks to them. Uh, they, they're in trouble because they don't do what they know that they need to do. In other words, when God speaks to our heart to tell someone about Jesus, instead of letting them pass by, my friend, we need to share Jesus with them. When God gives us direction uh, to do something for the will of God and in the will of God for the ministry, let me tell you something. Always follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, they were not following and listening to God uh, just as many Christians today will turn a deaf ear to God when He begins to speak uh, and when He begins to minister. We had no idea. Josh had no idea we were going to do that song Midnight Cry this morning. Uh, but my friend God, I felt like God spoke to my heart uh, and told him to sing it. Uh, and my friend, look, people were blessed. Uh, people were standing to their feet holding their hands toward heaven. Uh, God will reward your obedience uh, but we must listen out to the Lord today. In the matter of soul winning, uh, we are called to go unto the world and share the gospel. Not just to us. Uh, listen, everyone is called to be an evangelist. Everyone is called to share Jesus with this lost and dying world. In a matter of soul winning we need to be obedient unto God. In the matter of separation we need to be obedient unto God coming out from among them and being ye separate saith the Lord. And we need to be in a matter of service we need to be hearing out to the word of God and to the Lord when he speaks to us. We know what God wants us to do but at times we refuse to listen. Suddenly without warning Yet with devastating results, judgment comes like hemlock in the furrows. You see, I know that we like to give testimonies around this place. I know that people love to stand and share what God's done from them. And I encourage that. I encourage people to let others know what Jesus has done for them in their life. But when God speaks to you and tells you to do it, you need to do it. Amen. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. You stand and you give praise unto God for whatever He's spoken to your heart about. Because if you wait to Sunday night, it'll not have the same effect. God had somebody in the presence this morning that one needed to hear what you had to say and when God speaks my friend we need to be obedient Amen. there was a man by the name of Dr. Paul Vanneman told of a visiting a home with a pastor of whom he was preaching his first thought as he saw a young man seated on the couch was with his face profiled was that it was one of the most handsome profiles that he'd ever seen on a young man 
His second thought was that all he saw of the man was his profile. He was sitting in the shadows. He was sitting in the dark. That's all he saw. The man never turned to face him. Then one of the children required attention and the man turned his head and Dr. Vanneman saw why only the profile had been offered up until this point. For the one side of the man's face was as hideous as the other side was handsome. And after a moment the man said, I'm sure you'd like to know my story. He said, my daddy was a preacher. I began to run with the wrong crowd. One night he stood with his hands blocking the door and said, If you leave this house tonight, it'll be over my dead body. He said, I went up to my bedroom. I called my friends from the upstairs phone. And I told them to meet me down the road. I climbed out the window of my bedroom which opened onto the porch. I shimmied down the drain pipe and went to the corner and waited on my friends. And when my friends picked me up, I jumped in the back seat of that car. And I had not been in that car but about two minutes. When all of a sudden we hit an object in the road, the door flew open, I was thrown out and landed on my face. And since that time, he went on to say, there was not been one day of my life that I had not endured excruciating pain. And since that time, there has not been one day in my life that I haven't wished with all my heart that I had obeyed my father. My friend, that's called hemlock in the furrows. Mom and dad might not always be right, but they can give you some good advice today. Listen, I am just turned 47 years old last year. I'm working on 48. I was telling Eric a while ago, before service starts, I said, I can't believe we're done getting this old. We're getting older. But as you grow older, Eric, we begin to learn some things. (laughs) We begin to learn things not to do. And we go down those roads as kids and as children. And we go down the wrong roads of life a lot of times. And I know that you did. And I did. And you did. And most everybody did. But my friends, when you look back on it. And when you look at your children. You say, hey look, I want you to have a better life than me. I want you to be more successful than me. I want you to be in the will of God with whatever you do with your life. And my friends, we know what heartache feels like. We know what hurt is. We know know how to hang out with wrong friends. We know how to get with the wrong crowd. We know how to be in some kind of trouble. And when we tell the children that, and when we tell the grandchildren that, trying to give them some advice, you better listen to mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa because they know some things and they've seen some things. There comes a time, my friend, uh, uh, when we want to uh, uh, spread our wings and fly, and tr- but, but you end up in a mess. Because you, I know I've been there. Some of you have been there. You felt like you got the tiger by the tail. You feel like you can do anything in this life. But yet like this man in this story that I, rest, that I, that I recited to you this morning. Listen. His life was completely changed out of being disobedient unto his father. And there's not a day goes by that he's not in excruciating pain. And wishing that he had obeyed the father. As we make that spiritual this morning, may I say the same thing as with our Heavenly Father. When He speaks to your heart, we need to be obedient unto Him. 
We need to listen to Him. Listen, there's times in your life, I know, when you grow cold on God. When you get to a point in your life when you feel like God may be a million miles away. But I've got news for you. God said He'd never leave you nor forsake you. Guess who moved? We can move out of the will of God. We don't need to move out of the will of God. Well, I want to be in the center of God's will. I want to be in God's will and do all I can for God. I shared with the Sunday school class this morning. It's not about having your name on the sign. It's not about having glitz and glory. It's not, listen, this is not a, a place that you would look about and say, you know, I'd like to do that one day. I'm here to tell you, if God hadn't have called me, I never would have done it. This right here is what God called me to do. There was a young man that announced his call to preach in this church not too long ago, several years ago. He rode with me for, during the day about two times, seeing the other side of the ministry. He decided real quick he missed the boat. It's not all what you see. This is the easy part this morning. The easy part is preaching to people. The easy part is smiling at someone and welcome them into the house of God. The easy part is preaching and praying and allowing God to bless you. But the hard part is when you get that phone call at 2.30 in the morning and saying, Preacher, I need help because my child is dead. The bad thing about this thing is when you get that call, as I did about 4 o'clock one morning, from a daughter that was frantically and just in an uproar, and all I could hear was screaming on the other end. And she said, Preacher, my daddy's gone. My daddy died. He wrecked his car coming back home from Lowe's. The officer just came and told me, and he is dead today. Things like that happen in life. And a lot of times, it's the hemlock in the furrows that cause it. And I, I look back, and some of y'all might have known the man that I'm talking about. He wrecked his van. He was a fine man. The doctors told him he, he had high blood pressure. He, he had high blood sugar. And the doctors told him he didn't need to be driving, but he kept driving. They didn't want him to drive because he kept falling asleep. And the doctors told him, you, need, you don't need to drive. He said, well, I've got to go. I've got to have means. He had his own business. And, and, and he got in that van. And he started up 26. He fell asleep going against the will of the doctor. Ran his van up a bank. Flipped it and went into eternity in a moment's time. Life, the Bible says in the book of James, is like a vapor. It appeareth for a short time and then it vanishes away. We may think that 70 or 80 years is a long time, but that's nothing compared to eternity today. But number two, why was the hemlock in the furrows? They were an empty vine, according to verse number one. They were an empty vine. Israel is an empty vine. It says, you see, they brought forth the fruit to themselves. Israel was self-centered. They which they produced was not for the good of the Lord. It was for their own good. And at this time in their history, uh, Israel had gained military and economic strength under King Jeroboam II. But they had not used either for God's glory. It's interesting that the Lord compares Israel to a vine. You see, a vine is of no use uh, other than to produce 
grapes. If a cherry tree does not grow cherries, its wood can be used to make furniture or maybe start a fire. But the same is true for an oak tree which does not produce acorns. It can go on and produce many other things like furniture or firewood. But with the vine, it's not so. The vine is too small. The vine is too weak to be used in construction. It's too tangled and difficult and thin to be used for anything in a fireplace. But if it doesn't produce grapes, it's good for nothing else. How many of God's people have been blessed and prospered by Him, the Lord, only to direct all the fruits toward themselves instead of towards the Lord? You see, we by flesh are self-centered and selfish people. God gave you today what you have. Not to be selfish with, but to share with others. And what I'm speaking of, I'm not talking money. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm talking about your life. Your life. My life. I've got a story to tell. And my friends, if I keep that story to myself, I'm not helping anybody this morning. But if I can share the story with others, uh, it'll be a help. I've asked you many a times to continue to pray for me because I'm in the midst of writing this book. And, 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 and you're going to find in this book when you read it, you're going to find memories from my life and from my childhood. You're going to find things about the ministry. And you're going to see th- some miracles that I've seen take place in my life. And I, I, I need you to pray for me because I, I, I put some sensitive things in there. Even some things that some people don't even know. But I want to be honest with God and I want to be honest with others. Because I think of what's going to be down in that book will be a help to you. And I believe it will be a help to others as well. And I'm not wanting to do it for my glory because there is nothing here but a sack of bones and flesh. Uh, Listen, I am not a righteous, uh, uh, put me up on a pedestal kind of guy. All I know is I am saved. I'm blood bought. uh, I'm on my way to heaven. uh, And the last time that I checked, that's all I'll need uh, to get into that city. My friend, I asked the Lord into my heart January 3 of 93 and it's the best thing. I've ever done it'll be the best thing you ever do their vines were empty let me ask you this do you have any fruit in your life you don't have any fruit in your life maybe because you don't tell others about the Lord it's easy to witness to people how easy is it you tell them your life story tell them how God saved you and what God's brought you from that'll give you help Number three, let me move on. Israel, they had a divided heart. Look at verse number two. The Bible, uh, there the Bible says their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their image. You see, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in his ways. In other words, he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. He's acting on both sides of his uh, here and now. He is trying to live one way and trying to make people believe that he's living another way. Um, Most of us today don't have evil hearts, but many of us have divided hearts. Uh, We want to please God and we want to please man. But the Bible says you can't please God and mammon. 
We want to keep the favor of the Lord and of the world. God's message rings out to us uh, uh, as Elijah's did to the children of Israel. He said, how long shall you be between two opinions? Let me give you an illustration. Years ago when husbands did accompany their, uh, or they did not accompany their wives into the delivery room, a young father waited impatiently as his wife gave birth to their first child. When the doctor came out, he eagerly jumped up at the doctor and said, Is it a boy or is it a girl? With a somber expression on his face, that doctor replied, You lived kind of rough life, didn't you, son? He said, Well, maybe I did, but tell me, is it a boy or is it a girl? Instead of answering, the doctor repeated the question. You lived a rough life, didn't you, boy? Eventually, the young father openly committed and admitted, rather, that he had indeed sown some wild oats before his marriage. The doctor explained to the man that his sin has caused him and his wife to contract a disease. And the disease had resulted in their baby being born blind. When I heard the story, the wife had for 17 years been in a state of shock, sitting in a wheelchair, gazing out with vacant eyes and uttering not a single word. Hemlock in the furrows. Judgment. I must move on. I hope you're taking this in. I know this wasn't going to be a shouting message this morning, but it's a serious message. God knew who would be here today. But number four, they had no fear of God or man. Often God's people make the mistake of confusing His patience with indifference. God was patient with a man for 120 years while Noah built the ark and preached righteousness. But he was not indifferent to their sin. He was patient with Samson for 20 years while Israel judged. Broke first one and then another Nazarite vow. He was not indifferent. Judgment did come. We have raised a generation or more of young people who have received no discipline from their parents in spite of repeated warnings now have no fear of God nor of man. I remember back in elementary school, they still had that big old thick paddle, Eric. Never forget. Cleveland Elementary School, Miss Ballinger, red-headed lady. I remember like today. You know why I remember her? Because I thought she was a witch. <laughs> you know what she did? I was just hanging around the wrong crowd, didn't even do anything. She called a whole group of us into that office. And she wore my rear end out with that paddle this long and that thick with that handle on there. And I didn't do nothing. <laughs> and I didn't want to do anything else. <laughs> because if I'm not mistaken, when I got home, Papa got me again. Amen. 
Now everybody's so scared that the child is going to call the Department of Social Services. They let the child run the home and the roost. May I say that's not how God ordained it. God ordained the man, the husband to be the head of the home. The wife to be the helpmate. And the children are supposed to follow the direction of the mother and the father. But now what we have and what we've had for many a years, I've even seen it many a years ago. My wife knows the incident. This little red-headed girl. Why is redhead so mean? <laughs> Except for Willow. She's sweet. Any more redheads I need to apologize to? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're sweet too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Caitlin, you got a little red, but we'll consider you blonde today. You're sweet, too. This little red-headed girl, she wasn't over about seven or eight years old. Mom and Daddy came in there. We were over at their house visiting. I think they may have had us over for a cookout. I said, we're going to have to leave. We're going to have to go and get ready for church tonight. And then the father looked down at the little girl and said, Honey, you need to go in the house, and you need to get your clothes on and get ready because we're getting ready to go back to church, too. She looked at her daddy up in the face and pointed her fingers and said, We are not going to church tonight. I began to mind my own business and get in the car. But I know how that turned out. They didn't come to church. Who's ruling this thing? Who's ruling these homes? Homes are in a mess today because of that. Homes are in a mess today because people spare the rod. You can't put a whip on. Lord have mercy, my legs bled. Not, mess, not, not, not even counting the whips. And I know Cindy's back there saying, my, Mom and Daddy never did do you that way. <laughs> you didn't see that day Papa broke that switch off and tore me up. I won't tell y'all what I was doing because I'm ashamed of it. But anyway... I can tell you this, I didn't want to pick up a cigarette again. <laughs> yes, sir. He kept on smoking until he died, but I didn't pick one up. <laughs> no fear of God. No fear of man. Now, don't, don't, don't take that the wrong way. God is to be feared. We're not to be scared of God. We are to fear Him. Why? Because He holds our life in His hands. He's the one that can get you to heaven. He provided His darling Son for you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that's always going to be with you. No matter what comes your way, He's always going to be there for you. Fear God. Fear man. Some of us men with high testosterone levels today, I know how you feel. You can take on a bear with a switch. But all of a sudden, when them blue lights pull you over for going 80 and a 55, you begin to fear man a little bit. You don't really fear man. You fear that ticket he's going to hand you. You see what I'm saying? There's no fear. There needs to be a fear. There needs to be a fear of God. Children, you ought to fear your parents. 
You ought to be listening to your parents. You ought to obey your parents. Let me move on. I'm meddling. You got quiet. Number five. They didn't keep their promises to God. How many promises have been made to God that we failed to keep? How often have we knelt at an altar of prayer and promised to read the word of God? We promised to be a faithful witness. We promised to give up sin. We promised to tithe and to have family devotion and then not keep that commitment. How many times? Let me encourage you today. Don't make deals with God that you can't keep. And a lot of times we can't keep those deals. I've seen many get on the altar and pray, God, if you just please uh, uh, touch uh, uh, my child that is sick and, and heal its body, God, I'll be faithful unto you. I'll do all I can for you. I'll teach the children's church. Uh, I'll keep the nursery. I'll support the pastor in prayer. Uh, I'll be in church every time the doors are open. God performs that healing in that child's life. Uh, and then about a month or two later, that person's nowhere to be found. The FBI couldn't even find them. Uh, but may I say, that's called using God as a spare tire and just getting him when you need him I need him every day church I need him every minute of every day not just when times are bad but I need him when times are not so bad I want to be in the presence of God in the power of God a man was deeply convinced that God had called him to preach and surrender he surrendered that at the conclusion of a church service when he told his wife of his decision that evening, she said, I hope you hurry up and get over it. <laughs> Discouraged by his wife's lack of support, he reneged on his promise, never entered the ministry, and not long after that, he died of a heart attack. And at his funeral, his wife told the pastor the story. <coughs> Hemlock in the furrows. Sister, you come to the piano. Just play softly as Josh gets us a song ready. I'll have you to stand in just a moment, but you can remain seated at this point. There was a pastor that loved this particular family in the church, and all of a sudden they came up missing. Actually, they were missing about three or four weeks in a row. and He was over in their neighborhood. He thought he would stop by. It was a husband and wife and had two twin boys that were 12, 13 years old, I guess. He went into their home and he said, Hey, I just wanted to check on you. I missed you. Missed them boys being in youth group. Missed you being in church. He said, what's going on? He said, you've been so faithful for many years. And then all of a sudden we don't see you. Is there something wrong? Is there a problem? He said, no preacher, there is no problem. We love you. We love the church. No problem at all. He said, well, why haven't you been at church the last four weeks? I don't understand. He said, well, my two boys have gotten into go-kart racing. 
And they've raced the last four Sundays. And the pastor looked at the parents and the children and he said, that's all well and good. But what kind of example are you setting for your children by not bringing them to the house of God? He says, why? You know, and the pastor had taught just like I would teach you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I love my beautiful wife sitting right here. I love her. But I'm commanded to love Jesus first. Then I love her. And then I love my children. He said, well, I'm going to pray, folks, that you make the right decision. I'm going to pray that you, you know, get back in church. Get these kids back in. Because it's not like these kids are going to be professional race car drivers or go-kart drivers or whatever. He said, I'd love to see you back in the house of God. Okay, preacher, we'll take that under advisement. The very next Sunday, Sunday school started. The children wasn't there. The adults wasn't there. That evening before the Sunday evening service started, the pastor's phone rang. It was the father of that couple with those two kids. Weeping. Crying out under that pastor. He says, hold on a minute, brother. I I can't understand the words you're saying. What's going on? He said, we took them kids out and they raced them go-karts today. He said, around that third turn, about the second time around, that go-kart flipped over several times, ejected that child, the seatbelt gave loose, ejected that child. And the go-kart actually landed and bounced off the child and landed over in the middle of that track. Hemlock in the furrows. I'm not here to give you a gloom and doom message this morning. I'm just here to tell you what thus saith the word of God. God has a way to get your attention. Today, that boy is 21 years old. He can't eat any solid food. He has to be fed with a tube. He cannot go to the bathroom to himself by himself because he's a quadriplegic. Can't move his arms, can't move his legs. Paralyzed. Now, preacher, you can't tell me that that happened because then people weren't going to church. All I can say is this. It looked a lot like hemlock in the furrows. And I know in my own life today that God allows things to happen to us to get our attention. Might be that trip down to Spartanburg County. Might be wrapping your car around a tree. Might be losing someone that you love dearly. But God seems to have a way to get our attention. 
hemlock in the furnace. I want you to stand across this building. I'd request that you bow your head and close your eyes and be reverence to the moving of the Lord. I just want you to be honest with God and honest with yourself. Let me ask you this question and you be honest. No one looking but me across this building. Would you be honest with God and say, Preacher, if I was to die today, I'd leave this world without Christ in my life. I've never been saved. I've never accepted Christ. I've never asked for forgiveness of my sin. Would you slip your hands up? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Wouldn't do that. Wouldn't want you to be embarrassed. But I want to pray for you. Why? Because you're important to God and you're important to me. I don't want you to die and go to the devil's hell today. Would you be honest and just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me. Anywhere in the building. Nobody looking. Nobody looking but me. Would you slip it up? Say, that's me, preacher. Pray for me. Maybe you're here today and you say, preacher, please pray for me. I, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm just, I've just gotten cold on God. I've, I've gotten out of the will of God. And I just need to get back in the center of God's will. Would you be honest with God? Slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Just want to pray for you is all I want to do. God's moving amongst the people today. Maybe you've got people in your heart that you know that are living a life of sin that need to be saved. What a good time to lift them up in prayer when the Lord's moving. God can help you. Whatever your need is today, whatever your situation is today, you may be heartbroken, you may be hurting. You may have a wayward child, a wayward parents. God is a prayer answering God. We've seen it a many a times. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you've got any of those needs, I encourage you to come to this altar and pray. Father, God, in Jesus' name, I've done all I can do. I've done all that you've commanded me to do. And Father, I pray in the name above all names, the name of Jesus, that you, Lord, would move on the hearts of the people, give them the help that they need, and God, I know that you will, as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Josh is going to sing. These folks are already praying. If you want to pray, come on up. I'll be glad to pray with you. I'll be glad to help you. How long has it been? How long has it been? You might have seen in these stories I've told you today him locking the first God may be whispering to your heart to do something for the kingdom today you need to allow him to work in your life don't run from God run to him he'll help you how long has it been? Since your mind felt at ease. How long since your heart.
Brian to come down if you would. Brother Joe, come over here. Then. It's been asked that you stand in for dear brother of mine by the name of Freddie Cook. In bad shape. Stand in for brother David Bradley who's in bad shape. I want my wife to come and stand in for little baby Jordan. That baby needs a touch. Bible tells us book of James anoint thy head with all the prayer of the faithful save the sick that's scriptural no power in these hands just trying to be obedient unto God today we believe that God can touch the sick and can heal in a special way Let's pray together for these special needs today. Our Father in heaven, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, out of obedience of James chapter 5, call upon the elders of the church and anoint thy head with all. God, you said in your word that the prayer of the faithful will save the sin. I pray, dear God, that you'd reach down from heaven, Lord, and touch. Oh, Lord, Brother Freddie today. Lord, for Brother David, God, I pray that you would touch him. Lord, minister to him. Touch their bodies with it in a supernatural way. God, you've done it before. We've seen it. And God, we pray that you do it again. Lord, we know that your hand's not so short that you can't touch. Your ear is not deaf that cannot hear. And that your eyes so dim that you cannot see. God, I pray that you would touch these brothers. And God, I pray that you would touch baby Jordan. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would touch that young man. Oh, God, that was born into a a, a, a drug-addicted family. God, and I pray for the parents that, Lord, have adopted that child and that are Lord, trying to bring that child up in the fear and admonition of you, God. Lord, I pray that you would reach down from heaven and touch that baby. Lord, that baby can't help the circumstance that it's in. But Lord, I know that you can touch it. And God, I pray you touch that child. Pray that you would touch Brother Freddie and Brother David today. And God, we'll surely thank you and praise you. Give you honor for all that you do. And say that you did it all, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Have you had a good time in the Lord today? May I say, we ran into overtime, but we'll try to give you a break tonight. Service tonight, 6 o'clock. We'll have some more good singing. And if the preacher can find something good to preach, he'll preach it to you. I got something for you tonight, amen, if you come back. Thank you for being here. No need to rush out the door. All the Methodists done beat you to the restaurant. And if you had your beans in the crock pot, they probably burnt. So take it easy when you go out. If you're visiting with us today, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Good to see my friends. All that are here. Listen, if you're just visiting and you're looking for a church home, you ain't going to find no better one than this one right here. And I'm not just saying that. Because I pastor here. If I wasn't the pastor here, this is where I'd come. Why? Because there's good people here. And the Lord shows up. And the Lord comes. And for you that are visiting with us, if you didn't um, fill out a little visitor card out there, you can do it on your phone. If you would just give us a little bit of information, text the word welcome, W-E-L-C-O-M-E, 
to that phone number, six, this, uh, the number is 999-3556. And uh, I tell you what, if you're visiting with us and you didn't get a free gift when you come in, see my wife as we walk out the door. She's going to have them with her. Wave your hand, honey. Turn around, everybody. That's her. She'll get you a nice gift before you leave. We just want you to remember us in some way or the other. I know we might not have impressed you with our preaching. We might not have impressed you with our singing. But I believe the Spirit of God impressed you. And that's what makes the difference. Amen. God bless you. Brother Max Starnes, if you would, dismiss us in prayer.